deadly I took your love Thinking what you said to me was real Now there'll come a place, oh yes, and there'll be a time Someone will find out if there's one thing I've learned over a lifetime of watching movies is that Hollywood loves prostitutes. Yes, those mysterious women of the night are quite the rage in American cinema. Movies have showed us everything from damaged hooker ingenues like Elizabeth Shue in The Gritty Leaving Las Vegas to manic pixie dream girl whores like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. But beware, because there are some hookers out there that are looking for a little payback. These whores are settling scores, and they traded in their heart of gold for a fistful of lead. On today's Slums of Film History, we'll be talking about movies where prostitutes become the Avengers. So get a cheap motel room, you'll only need an hourly rate. Put the money on the nightstand, and remember, no rough stuff. Because she may love you a long time, but she'll kill you real quick. Today is Hooker Vengeance on Slums of Film History. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. In each episode, each one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from bodily fluids to TNA to exploding heads. If there's a film subject that's too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey Slate, how's it going? Hi Tom. I am excited about today's show because we're talking about two of my favorite subjects together. Mm-hmm. Hookers and revenge. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. Before we get started, though, I wanted to, to tell a little story. Oh good. So we've been doing the podcast for a little while now and some people that I know have listened you know, they've seen some of the movies we talk about, and they've told me about how these movies have affected them. Sure. And one instance, a friend of mine from work had listened to the Snuff podcast, uh-huh. and she proceeded to inform me about how Face of Death traumatized her when she was young. Oh, really? It was a great story. So uh-huh. she was an army brat, so she traveled all over the world and was in schools at different countries or wherever. So she was in biology class, and uh-huh. she had like the world's worst biology teacher. He didn't teach for shit. Okay. Instead, would just he would play movies for them. And after a while, just allowed kids to bring in whatever movies they wanted to watch. Sure, sure. So they would watch whatever, and he didn't even pay attention to what kids brought in. One day, this kid brought in Faces of Death. Oh, my God. And played fucking Faces of Death in this class. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. And she was like 12 or 13. I mean, she was a teenager, 13 years old at the time. <laughs> And they were watching Faces of Death yeah. in a biology class. In class. And the teacher yeah. was in the class. He was like reading or something in the right. back he of the class. Right, he was like, I don't give a shit. And I'm everybody was fucking traumatized. As all right, Granted, I mean, it's Faces yeah. of Death. Needless to say, some parents got informed, and this teacher finally got fired. Really? Over for Faces the, of Death? So Faces of huh. Death. So for all you uh, slacker teachers, I mean, you might be able to get away with showing movies to your kids for a while. Just make sure none of them are Faces of Death. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I thought funny. that was a fun, a yeah. cute story. Oh, sort of, sort of a 
you know, a heartwarming story. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, now we can jump into Hookers and Revenge. I'm pumped about this one. Yeah, I am too. So I feel like I need to do a little background, a little explaining, because we have weird-ass topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're kind of all over the map, they're too. They're all yeah. over the map. And the way we come to these topics are, well, sometimes we start broad, like nudity, and, and we work in narrow. Yeah, I feel like cannibalism was was very broad. Right, and then sometimes we work very narrow and go broad. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we just talk about broads, like Doris Wishman. Right, so sure. we're all over the map. So this one is a very narrow topic that I'm going to go broad. Hooker revenge movies are micro-genre. Right, right. Or they're characterized as micro So they're sub-sub-genres. I'm going to break down genre, actually. Yeah, because I don't think... I, you're going to have to convince me because I don't think it's a genre. Okay, well, here, I'll break it down. Uh-huh. Okay, so you know what genre is. Yeah. And I'm not... I'm sure a lot of people know what genre is. Okay. So genre is a French word meaning sort, like mm-hmm. sorting something. And it stems from Latin, from genus, mm-hmm. for those who don't know. Oui. So genre originally was used as a classification system for ancient Greek literature. Okay. So poetry, prose, performance, they all have specific calculated style. Mm -hmm. So they were characterized so that somebody wouldn't mistakenly go see something tragic. You know, they didn't mix styles. They kept them very separate so somebody didn't see something. Tragedy and comedy was very very different. What's interesting, too, is that specific actors would be pigeonholed into certain types of performances, which... Mm -hmm. I, when I read that, it was interesting to me because that kind of happens now with comic actors. Sure. Some of them can do good dramatic performances, but they tend to get pigeonholed. Right. So this happened in uh, older performances and with uh, Greek literature and whatnot. So that's this sort of a, a basis for genre. And of course, we still have genres today and we still characterize it today. I mean, if you look in the old blockbusters, genres were, you know, for movies, what did they have? They have horror Comedy, comedy, drama, thriller, thriller. Hooker Okay, well, we get, we'll get to Hooker Vengeance. But <laughs> everything was characterized by that. But then you have subgenres, and people see those now. So subgenres are basically combinations or offshoots from genres. Okay. Okay, so a subgenre could be a combination of stuff. Like horror movie and comedy movie. We have horror comedy movies. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, romance movies, comedy movies, romantic comedies. So these are these are technically subgenres. Okay. And, of course, what's interesting about subgenres is that they come and go. For instance, and I'll use an example, like nudie cutie movies were offshoot of nudist movies, which were a Mm subgenre. They're not around anymore. Snuff films, technically, or that kind of genre, aren't around anymore. But offshoots are, which are found footage. And found footage movies weren't technically a thing until 15 years ago when Blair Witch came out. They existed before. That makes sense that if there were still a video rental place that you would go there and you could have a section of found footage and a section for nudie cuties. Right. So... And one of the subgenres of thrillers is the revenge thriller. Uh, agreed. Okay, and so a good example of the uh, most recent revenge thriller is like John Wick. There's also, I guess, characterized now as micro genres, which are sub subgenres. So you'll have, if you have a thriller and you have a subgenre of revenge thriller, well, then a rape revenge thriller is a micro genre of that. And like, I'll I spit on your, that. I spit on your grave is a good example of a rape micro revenge genre. is a okay. So and then you're and saying st- and Straw Dogs fits a micro genre of rape revenge okay. as well. Things like that, and also Last House on the Left is considered a rape revenge micro genre movie okay so i bring all of this up because as i was researching and as we tend to find topics i was watching a group of movies that caught my attention and i realized there's a whole micro genre of hooker revenge movies where prostitutes get revenge for being wronged or whatever and as i started digging into this because of course it's a hey this is a fucked up topic let me look I'll into do, it more I'll do a uh, whole uh, episode yeah. i want to talk about it for an hour yeah. yes exactly but as i dug into it i found more and more examples so this is a legitimate 
micro genre. Okay, you're convincing me. I thought when we had spoken that there weren't that many, but now you're saying there's a lot. There's more than I thought. Okay. And they, they follow I certain there were like trends. Five. Okay, there might be seven, but I mean, there's still more than two, and I'm like, holy shit. You know. Okay, but, he, no, but okay. Actually, but, there's more than that. But I, here's my retort. That. So, when we were doing cannibalism, we did, there's a cannibal genre of film. Yes. So, if I walked into the video store, then I, the theoretical video store that doesn't exist anymore, then I could find a section that said cannibal genre films, and they're basically Italian films about white people that go into the the jungle and get murdered by cannibalism. I would cannibals. say cannibal genre films would actually be a subgenre under horror, but they would be like under horror section cannibal films, so it's fine, a sub. Fine. But micro would be Italian. Okay. Cannibal. But I would never films. put Silence of the Lambs in that section. I would put that under thrillers or horror. And and Silence even though of it's Lambs, a cannibal movie, it's not a cannibal genre movie. I would say it's a horror thriller procedural that has cannibalism in it. Right. So I wouldn't say that it's distinguished solely on cannibalism. So I can okay. see why it would go under thriller. Well, let's get through the episode, and then at the <laughs> end, you can ask me whether I stick by my that I don't think that this is a, a Fair genre. Okay. Fair <clears throat> enough. Okay. Well, let's get started. So, like always, let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how hookers and movies got together to begin with. Okay. And we have to go way back in time, where we usually start, which is at the beginning of cinema, mm-hmm. the late 1800s. So the story I found was uh, French, of course. Of course. And it was a French theater entrepreneur named Charles Almont. And I, Almont, I don't know how the fuck you say his name. Mm-hmm. But he was a, a French entrepreneur who rented... These uh, like kind of not opera houses, but these performance houses in Moscow, and he had like a whole bunch of them. Okay, he brought the French sensibility to these theaters. They were really plush, and they were very pretty, and very French. Okay, and he had like these can-can dancers, and there's a lot of performance dancing and things like that. And it was also a brothel. Oh, okay, so you could go and see a performance and probably fuck the dancers and pay to fuck the dancers. Sure, sure. That's convenient. And it's convenient, and, you know, I mean, hey, and it's French, too. Mm-hmm. So that went on for a little while, but it started getting uh, a bad rep. Uh-huh. And it started becoming one of those places, and so he was trying to attract a, a, a better crowd, because that means more money. The way he figured out how to do that is he started bringing the cinematograph, mm-hmm. which is an old early pro- uh, movie projector, a Lumiere cinematograph, which Lumiere is a company that made them, mm-hmm. and they would tour them around... And these were big deals because, of course, it was the gimmick of, of movies. And so all the highbrow people wanted to go see it. All the, the rich people were like, oh, we got to see this new trend. And so that started bringing in the higher-brow people into sure, this. Sure, it was a curiosity. Right. And so it, it brought it into to that establishment. So he implemented that with the show, and he had all these hookers there. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a match made in heaven. Okay. Like people were picking up hookers and watching these movies. These hookers would come and sit in the audience. Mm-hmm. And it added to the, the sensation of seeing this film. You know, and I think, I don't know if they had the, you know, the infamous train film. You know, the one that everybody's like, oh shit, Everyone's it's coming like, out. Oh, oh, oh train's shit, the train's coming. Yeah. But they had movies like that and no one had seen that before. And then there was these women in the audience hitting on members. Okay. So that became part of that whole experience mm-hmm. to where after a while hookers just would go to movie theaters and hang out. Well, in, in the 70s, you know, that's what they did in Times Square too. That right, was yeah. where you could go. I mean, that's, you went to the movies to go get a blow job okay. so yeah know, and, like and hookers the, hung out in, in movie theaters all it the time, started so in, the, in the early 1900s in russia mm-hmm. with a french entrepreneur so yeah after a while hookers would hang out in front of theaters or go to theaters same thing like you just said eventually hookers were in front of the camera as well okay. and hooker characters got to be part of cinema so early films that had hooker characters in it the earliest i could find was a movie called tenderloin at night 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the reference to tenderloin. I don't know if that's an area of town. I don't know what that means. Well, there's a tenderloin in in San Francisco. Okay, so. then maybe that's mm-hmm. what it's about. It's a silent film, of course, because it's 1899, and it's about three prostitutes who, while hanging out in a bar, some goofy hick guy comes in that doesn't, you know, he's new to the city, and a girl starts fondling him and hitting on him or whatever. Meanwhile, while she's distracting him, someone drugs his drink. He drinks it, passes out. It's some guy that drugs his drink. Mm-hmm. And they rip him off and they run out. So the hooker who was hitting on him wasn't a real hooker, but she was acting like one. And so they burglarized this guy. But again, they were playing like hookers. It was the first time prostitutes were really shown on screen. Just as a notable uh, thing there. And there were some more movies that talked about hookers at that time. Silent movies with hooker characters. They were mostly there for comedic relief, like someone would be doing something. There was like a guy cutting some dude's hair and a hooker would come by yeah, and do something. And I mean, he would, and it was for humor. Like yeah. the guy would You're cut like, the wrong oh, hair because he's like, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's so an the, easy get. You can, re- for a silent film showing a hooker, you can show a certain type of woman and everyone knows who, what that right. type of woman is. And it was there for comedy and yeah. stuff like that. However, some movies started treating this topic seriously in the silent era. I don't know what became of it. I think at the time, and I mentioned this in another podcast, where the big fear of white slavery came out of nowhere. Sure, sure. Where women were forced into prostitution, and this was in the early 1900s. So movies started to represent that mm-hmm. when they were dealing with hookers. The whole comedy thing kind of fell off for a while, but a movie called Traffic and Souls and Inside the White Slave Trade were both from 1913, and they were silent films that attempted to show the harsh reality of white slavery, women forced into prostitution. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these movies, the, the way the plots would go is a woman would meet a nice man and he would drug them and then drag them somewhere. And then they would, you know, they'd be forced into prostitution. You never saw the sex or anything, but you, it was suggested. And then somehow she would either get the message out that she was being held captive and the cops would come and bust it. And it was all, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. somebody else was always the savior in these movies. Okay. Except she had to be saved by a man. Basically. She was saved by a man or the authorities or anybody right. else. But the first movie that's changed that and sort of, I don't want to say empowering, but it was the, the first Hooker Vengeance movie I could find mm-hmm. was a movie called The Conspiracy from 1914. And in it, it features a woman who ends up killing the boss of a white slave syndicate who this guy was responsible for of abduction and captivity in this brothel. I don't have much more information on that mm-hmm. except that was the plot of this movie and I haven't found one before that. But it led the way for probably the most important Hooker Vengeance movie of that period. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie called The Red Kimona from 1925. Have oh, you heard of this movie? Never heard of it, no. So it's about a woman who escapes a bad home life. She's got a bad upbringing. She meets a nice stranger, but then she finds out a little too late that he's a pimp and he forces her into prostitution. Huh? Ultimately, she ends up busting a cap in his ass. Oh. Yeah, she shoots him, and she escapes. But then it goes into more after that where uh, she's tried for the shooting, but she's acquitted. Mm -hmm. And so she gets to, like, start a new life and things like that. What's interesting about the Red Kimono, besides probably the most prominent of that era, the Hooker Vengeance movie, is that it's also considered one of the most feminist movies of that period, especially the white slavery genre. Right. And probably another reason why it's called the most feminist is that it was actually written and produced by a woman. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure you get to call it white slavery genre yet, though. Okay, sorry. That's going to have to be another episode, and you're going Maybe to have to defend that. Maybe that's a nano genre. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll oh, see. I, and I just coined that term. Mm-hmm. So. But the producer, writer, and she's not credited as being director, but supposedly she directed a portion of it. It's a woman named Dorothy Davenport, and she mm-hmm. would go on to write and produce and direct other movies. Okay. And she did a few at the time. A lot of them dealt with... Like her next one dealt with drug addiction. So she dealt with the problems at the time. And this one was a prominent movie dealing with white slavery and prostitution. Were these exploitation films or were they just topical films? I think they were probably more topical. Sure. 
I haven't seen the red kimono. I don't think it's considered exploitation or not tasteful. Mm-hmm. I think it's just considered like a, a harsh subject matter. Okay. At the time, it showed that kind of reality. Okay. So it didn't like show sex or anything, but I mean, it still dealt with a heady topic. And it's just really the most notable one. So it's hard to say what happened to hookers and cinema in the 30s and 40s. Hayes Code, right, we always code. bring up the Hayes yep. Code. I think, though, and you can probably speak on this a little bit more, but I feel like hookers or those women on night somehow morphed into a more femme fatale character mm-hmm. in noir films where these you knew these women had lured past or maybe they were after money. You know, there was something that right. they, was always suggested but never really spelled out that this person was a prostitute. You could not spell out prostitutes. You couldn't even show a man and a woman in the same bedroom together. So, But there's a lot of suggestion. These women were very suggestive. Sure. But yeah, but there I, were no hooker vengeance films in the, pro- no in the production. No hooker vengeance. No, 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 no. So jumping to the 1960s and the end of the Hayes Code reign of terror, we got prostitutes back on the menu. And in 1964, we got what I consider a pretty strong, although slightly different take on the hooker vengeance micro genre. And that is Sam Fuller's The Naked Kiss from 1964. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen this movie. Nope, I haven't. And truth be told, I didn't get a chance to watch it either. But uh, The Naked Kiss is about a woman named Kelly who's a prostitute. She escapes her pimp. I think she beats his ass and takes his money. And she escapes this small town after she's be- basically being chased out of town by this guy after she beats his ass. And she decides to give up you know, her illicit lifestyle and she becomes a nurse at a hospital. That's nice. She falls in love with this guy and he's wealthy and he's part of the town's founding family, so he's prominent. And he's a sophisticate and all that shit. After this nice courtship and everything, you know, she decides to tell him the truth about herself. And even after she says, I'm a hooker in the past, he still, you know, wants to be with her mm-hmm, and it's nice. all nice. And he wants her to marry him until one day she shows up at his house and he's about to molest some young girl. Yeah. I know. That's kind of, that's yucky. You ruined it. So when she confronts him, because he's about to molest this young girl, he's like, well, you had a deviant background, and I have this. We're perfect for each other. You know, this shouldn't be a problem for you. She's like, no. And she hits him with a phone receiver and kills him. She kills him with a phone. So that's cool. Yeah. So a lot of these, there's a lot of parallels with Rick Kimona. Sounds like a lot like Rick Kimona, yeah. But this one's interesting because she's not just taking revenge for herself, you know, because mm-hmm. at the beginning she beats up her pimp and takes his money because he's holding out on the women. He's not paying him enough. So okay. so she when she ultimately kills him, she does it more to save this little girl than for herself. Right. So, so it's sort of a, a different take on the hooker Avenger, although mm-hmm. that theme comes back up later on when we get to these other movies. It's a slightly different take than, sure. than just payback for payback's sake. Right. Well, let me say, some of my research was from a book called Marked Women, and it's by Russell Campbell. Okay. And it's an interesting book because he talks a lot about prostitution in movies, but he breaks down these different types of genres. He mentions actually Hooker Vengeance, a mm-hmm. little bit of that, and that's where I drew some of that from. But he talks about a subgenre of hooker movies where it's underage prostitutes. Okay. I'm not calling it a genre, but at least there's an attribute where it, there's these movies that would have underage prostitutes represented. Probably the most famous underage prostitute that you would probably recognize is... Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, yeah. Jodie Foster's. And she was 14 at the time, and yeah. she plays a 14-year-old prostitute right. in <clears throat> the movie. She's certainly not the only one, but she's definitely the most recognizable, and most people know that. And mm-hmm. it was controversial in his day. And great film, by the way. Yeah, it's like, and, duh. But also, sometimes you have to say it because it's. It is a great film. I feel like film. there's a lot of classics that are like classics that I'm also kind of like, 
you know, I've never actually seen that. Maybe I should watch that movie. You right. Know, so I guess when they re-released it for an anniversary or nothing, they, they put it out in the theaters again. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a, a showing near where I was living at the time. So I got the chance to catch it on the screen. Oh, great. And they remastered it. It looked great. Excellent movie. Not to digress, but it's amazing how seedy and shitty oh, New York was God, in the 70s and how much of that Dang. was captured in and, that movie. And that was the plot of the movie. The yeah. plot was that New York was in the shitter. You it know? was. It yeah. was amazing. And, and there was somebody who was had had enough of it. Right. It's a great movie. Another one was a movie called Pretty Baby from 1978 starring Brooke Shields. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that Brooke Shields... I feel like th- there's no way in hell this fucking movie can be made now. Well, first of all, these movies that show women as underage prostitutes. Yeah. But especially this fucking movie, because it's a historical fiction movie starring Brooke Shields, who I feel was doing a lot of adult-oriented shit way too young. Yeah, agreed. Like Blue Lagoon Blue and all that Lagoon shit. And, yeah. In this movie, it's a perioded film at the turn of the 20th century and basically she's a 12 year old prostitute she lives in the red light district in new orleans well she's not a prostitute yet but it's like she's being trained until she gets of age to be a prostitute that's the whole fucking movie she's like and finally she's old enough to be sold to somebody and that that's it that's the fucking movie as far as i can i haven't seen this movie but really yeah yeah kind of creepy why do i talk about all this because we see emerging of underage prostitutes and hooker vengeance that comes up or at least jailbait looking women that are avengers sure and we'll definitely see that later on the 70s first one i want to talk about in the 70s and we just watched it Mm -hmm. was a movie called thriller a cruel picture slash they call her one eye from 1974 When cruelty knows no bounds, when evil knows no limits, revenge strikes with its most frightening power. They called her one eye, then ran for their lives. We've got a peck of trouble. Frigga killed one of her regular clients yesterday, and I'm betting she's out to get the three of us. They defiled her beauty, they robbed her of speech, they brutalized her body, and when they had finished, she used what was left to repay every blow with her own terrible kind of revenge. Your most fearful nightmares, the most cruel sights you have ever seen cannot match the shock of this motion picture experience. It is an interesting fucking movie. <laughs> I liked it. I, mean, I every, liked it too. You were kind of like, wasn't that stupid? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I didn't say it was stupid. Yeah. I well, it, there was a good movie in there. That's not that wasn't a good movie, right? But there, I can see how when somebody was like, "I want you to f- help me fund this movie and produce it," I would have been like, "Fuck yeah, this sounds great." Yeah, I, I'm yeah. all over it. What ended up happening was not that movie, but it, there was there were some good parts. But there was a lot of elements that give it a strong argument of how it could have been that movie. Yeah. I and mean, let me talk about what the movie's about. So it's about a girl, and her name is Frigga, because that's Sweden, Sweden. I, I guess, and stars a girl named Christina Lindbergh, who looked like fucking jailbait in she the did. movie. She was of age. You said that they didn't identify her, her as underage. I think 21 in the movie. Okay, yeah. so, but she didn't look it. Anyway, first of all, they show her as a kid at the beginning, and she gets molested by some creepy uncle guy, and then she is mute after that. She can't talk. Right. And then she gets... She hitches a ride with some creepy fucker. He kidnaps her, gets her addicted to heroin, forces her into white slavery slash prostitution. Mm-hmm. 
and she rebels against him. He cuts out her eye. Yucky. That was my favorite. That's well, that was one of my favorite parts. They actually cut a real corpse's eye. Supposedly. Yeah, they got a corpse and cut the eye and for that stuck scene. Stuck a scalpel in a corpse's eyeball twice. Right. Because we saw the outtake of where they did the other. It eye. was pretty fucking gross. It was. That's disgusting. It was disgusting. And I can even watch. I can even watch. Like, they got a corpse. It was gross. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Points given. <laughs> Another hooker that was in that house with her uh-huh. ends up, well, leaving one day, quote unquote, there's blood all over her bed. They so. say they say later that one of the um, guys killed her. Finally, she's like, I've had enough. So she starts putting money away. She starts getting training. Mm-hmm. Training. So she, yeah, shooting guns, karate, and driving fast cars. And she ends up seeking bloody revenge with a shotgun. On everyone and, that did her any wrong, horse. and then some people that didn't do her any And then people wrong that just were driving down the road that day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, clearly a hooker vengeance movie. Uh-huh. For personal vengeance, maybe some of that was for the dead friend, too. But it was this payback motherfucker. Sure. Thoughts? Well, I mean... Where do we start? I, the first thing that I want to note is that when they show, like, the men start to come into her room and then, like, t- take down their pants and begin to have sex with her, they then cut to full-on hardcore pornography. Th- thanks for bringing that up. So there's real fucking in this movie. Not like, with the actress. It's cut-ins. Right, they're cut-ins. But somebody's fucking in this movie. Right. To show, and, and then they cut to her face and, you know. Right. And then, but yeah. this is, like, the whole screen is filled with a penis penetrating a vagina. It is. And then later on... There's anal sex. Then he puts it in her butt, too. Right. Which I feel like... Girls don't like that. No. But, but anyway. Yeah. So that was bizarre because you're watching a rape on screen. You're watching a man who is raping a woman who is in white slavery. And then they're playing it for like masturbation material. It's, I don't know. Here's what I think. I mean, there's nothing remotely erotic about it. Nothing. It was awful. I mean, it's they I'm showed wondering... it numerous times and then they put it in her butt. <laughs> and like they didn't even, it wasn't even like they cut back to her being like, no, no, not the butt. You know, like whatever. She was just like taking it. Right. So I feel like that was exploitation. Okay. Well, clearly the whole fucking thing was exploitation. Yeah, because but they, also like I feel like they made a decision they there. They went too far? Or I they, feel like. They went too far on that? I feel like that if you like watching someone fuck someone which everybody likes <laughs> then if you're in any way turned on by watching a rape scene that turns it up to a hundred yeah. then you can masturbate to a rape scene and i feel like that was too far you know okay i also said as soon as the movie was over i was like i feel like the hardcore scenes really added to the film <laughs> yeah so i, know. So I caveat don't like the slate. fact that i liked that but the film is not particularly wonderful and i sure. feel like that added a whole other element of intrigue on top of it it sure as shit added a whole other i don't think it's it. right in any way no and i don't but it made it a better film okay it definitely made it a bolder film yes and of course that got cut out yeah, a lot of places wouldn't show it film in america because they cut all that out well yeah and they cut out a lot of stuff so and some of her nudity too because there was a lot of full frontal nudity yeah without the full penetration right yeah so i think a lot of that stuff all got cut out the violence wasn't well let's talk about the violence the violence wasn't really too over the top so for the eye sticking the scene eyeballs. was really gross and we talked about that I can't but everything was in the fucking corpse the, everything was in slow motion when uh-huh. they when the violence started it was happening. terribly filmed i mean terrible terrible action sequence the director saw the wild bunch and was like that's fucking awesome right i'm gonna do that with every single action scene and he did it could have been decent action if they just either sped it up a little bit it didn't have to go 
this slow motion. I mean, it was like... Yeah, I mean, they didn't have the budget that Sam Peckinpah had either. Like, this right. movie has four people in it. Right, it did, actually. Like, this were a Hollywood movie, there would have been a montage of, like, all the different men that were coming in, you know, whatever, put right. to some song or whatever. And this was, like, it was the same two people, like, in and out, in and out. It's like, gosh, that's it? It's not that yeah. bad. So, it's definitely an interesting film. I recommend checking it out I once it. I thought I it was liked worth it. the watch yeah it was definitely worth and the listen, watch and listen if Hooker Vengeance isn't your thing but seeing a guy um, fuck a girl in the butt is yep there you go <laughs> there you go then watch Thriller slash They Call Her One Eye uh, a little bit of trivia on that the woman wears an eye patch has a black eye patch on because they cut her fucking eye out and that, that is bo- okay I'm sorry that is bonkers alright go ahead it is bonkers mm-hmm. and she's kind of badass looking I like I like her yeah. outfit she had the leather coat and she had the eye patch and the Again, shotgun if this were a Hollywood movie it's they fantastic would ha- she would have been a hero fun fact from that is that Quentin Tarantino based the L driver character from Kill Bill which you haven't seen the Kill Bill movies which I don't know why I know I love every, them every time I, I, I tell like people them. that they're like you, they're like you, you're a terrible you cannot person. have a film podcast you haven't seen Kill Bill but uh, Daryl Hannah wears an eye patch she had her eye plucked out in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you see that. But so Tarantino based it specifically off this character from this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, and fun fact. Did he ever stab a corpse in the eye? Uh, not that I know of, but I mean, he didn't, he's not a Swedish filmmaker either. Mm-hmm, sure. So there you go. So the next notable 70s movie, uh, notable with reservations. <laughs> yeah, this one's not <laughs> notable. I hate to tell you. Okay, but there's enough to talk about it. That I think oh, it's worth... I love the movie. Okay, so, yeah. this movie is called Malibu High, and it's from 1979. It's about a girl named Kim who is a high school student. She's not doing so well in school. Right. Her boyfriend got taken away by this bitch who's rich, has a nice car, yeah. and she's had enough... And she's going to get what's hers. So she plans to sleep her way to getting good grades. Right. Not as a hooker. N- not as a... She's the plan pl- was not. The plan yeah. originally was just to sleep her way into getting good sleep grades. Sleep with her teachers. Yeah. She's going to fuck teachers at High Point. Yeah. There's a place high in the point. movie that she fucks everybody at High Point. But after a while, she's like, I need money too. So she hooks up with the local pimp. And she's like, I'll work for you and out of his van. And then she starts making money so she can buy a nice car. And then it just escalates from there. This isn't necessarily a Hooker Vengeance movie, but let me just say, as it goes along, she ends up becoming a hit woman for the mob. Mm-hmm. And then she uses that to get revenge on certain people. She kills some people out of revenge. But for yeah. the most part, she's like a, a hit woman. And we watched this at Slate's house. It's unbelievable. I'm going to get the highest grades, and studying isn't going to have anything to do with it. Kim wants to graduate from Malibu High with honors. Most kids do it by making grades. Kim does it by making appointments. What are you doing after school? If you're interested, I'll be at High Point. I'm not interested. High Point. I'll be there. She's studying with the best instructors at Malibu High. And if she can't learn enough from 9 to 3... You game for a little game? She takes her teachers on a field trip. Well, that's an offer hard to resist. Then don't. Malibu High, where the most important subject is physical education. How are you, Miss uh, Beckley? The best, sir. The next report cards are about to come out. I want you to know what grade I expect. This is the story of a schoolgirl named Kim. I don't understand. You never seem to study anymore. Relax, Mr. Elmhurst. Enjoy the view. Who was the best in her class? Malibu High. 
Well, first off, she is a monster. <laughs> she is, she com- is a complete the psychopath worst monster. human being I have ever seen in my life. And none <laughs> of her, because it's like, all right, you know, you're watching a movie and you're like, okay, well, she's a hooker and now she's getting revenge. I can understand that. She's, you know, whatever. This woman is a monster. She is a complete psychopath. There's nothing redeemable remotely well, and about her. she keeps being like, I just want to get good grades. And it's like, your future is hookerdom. Right. Like, you're not going to college why do you need good grades just drop out and be you're a hooker. already you're already a hooker you're an assassin for the mob you're doing cocaine with a mobster Wh- why the why fuck do you, do you care, care about getting about a getting an a in chemistry and physics or whatever who gives a shit but she does it's oh, amazing God, she's terrible and she and her mom don't see eye to eye which those she's are so scenes rude funny. to her mother she's extremely rude for no reason <laughs> and she says really mean things to her like she's like you're the reason that dad killed himself or you know because you, you don't take care of yourself all you care about right, is cleaning. Because, yeah, because <laughs> all you want to do is like keep a clean house what and you can't fuck? even like put on some makeup or whatever. It's like, you monster. <laughs> Don't joke about daddy. No wonder he couldn't stand it here. You could have looked decent once in a while instead of worrying about dirt and dust and greasy buildups. Maybe then you wouldn't have driven daddy away. And maybe daddy wouldn't have had to kill himself because he couldn't get it up anymore. Terrible, awful human being. Oh, she's terrible. Um, but, but I love this. I mean, it's not a good movie, not even remotely a good movie. No, but it's, no, no. but it's great. Yeah, I mean, the di- <laughs> the dialogue is just. You'll put some clips in. Oh yeah. But is just, and I have to shout out my favorite part. There's a part that Slate endlessly quotes every time I see him it. now. So a horrible Kim drives by, and she, I guess she like goes too quick to her friend that stole her boyfriend. Yeah, the rich girl. And like, she, so she like peels off and like dust goes up on her or whatever. And her friend is like, She's a piece of shit. How could you ever have gone around with a piece of shit like that? She's just trying to prove something, okay? Don't let her bug you, huh? Come on, let's go, huh? She's proving something, all right. She's proving she's a piece of shit. Annette, will you forget about her already? Yeah, okay, but she's still a piece of shit. She, she says, says it like four, four times. times. Straight, yeah. If we ever can find that filmmaker, I'd like to call him on the phone. And the only question I want to ask him was that ad libbed, or were they just like, and in this scene, you need to call her a piece of shit? And she just kind of just that's all the like, only thing you know, she could think about. He was like, you know what? Just run with it. Yeah. We trust your acting instincts. Go with it. Right. And that's what he said. And then to leave that in four in times in a row in a, in a minute and 15 seconds. Yeah. And he was just like, huh, whatever. Fuck it. I, yeah. I got to move on to the next this shot. This movie's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a note, something to note, the actress who played Kim who's a fucking monster. Her name is Jill Lansing and she's never been in another movie. Yeah. She's got kids in college probably. She's hoping nobody she knows knows about this movie and if she's listening if to this, you're listening to this Kim, you're yeah. a goddamn monster. <laughs> but please email us because I, we'd love to talk to you. Oh, uh, we have so many questions. So, yeah. Okay, so how does this tie in with the hooker vengeance thing? Well, she gets revenge, she ends up shooting people. I mean, she goes full on psychopath. Yeah. I mean, she's just insane. When she killed the high school principal, he was like going for his heart attack pill. And she stood over him and laughing. And she laughed at him. <laughs> laughed at him. That is an educator. And the thing is, he was right. Bitch, you're failing. You're right. failing school. You don't deserve to pass. So, no, I'm not going to meet you at high point, bitch. You're out. Right. And why do you care? You're a hooker. It doesn't make any sense. So she's an assassin hooker she for the mob. stood over him and laughed at him. Right. And it's just... But here's the whole thing about that. And this theme follows 
run with me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, so there's another trope. I talked about the underage hookers. I talked about hooker vengeance. Uh, this is our theme. But there's also the happy hooker trope. Mm-hmm. She yeah. loves being a hooker. Yeah. She likes being a hooker. She's smiling. She's having a great fucking time. There's a line outside of the fucking uh, van. She's just letting them in. Remember where all yep. the like guys with the construction hats uh-huh. and shit? Yeah, or, like, the come... whole construction site showed up to fuck <laughs> yeah. her in the van. Yeah. yeah, basically. They stopped working so they could fuck Kim in the van. Yeah. She has no problem with that. Right. And you see that theme going forward, and I'm going to analyze that because I find that very interesting, of course. I think we've talked enough about this piece of shit. <laughs> So let's move on to the 80s, because this was actually the movie that really made me think about this whole thing. Okay. The movie that we're talking about is Angel from 1984. Angel. Angel. Her name is Angel. She's unlike any high school student you've ever met. Are you having difficulty making friends? Not on top of the honors list. There's more to life than getting straight A's. Her only friends are on the streets. Her only chance is on her own. You're young, attractive, healthy. You're swimming around in a toilet bowl. I was alone! Where's your mom, Angel? One day I came home from school and she was gone. Just that note, a hundred dollar bill. I just put on some sexy clothes and high heels and went out and made a living. Everything in life has a price on it, Angel. Somewhere down the line, you're going to have to pay. It's my life. Angel, her two worlds are about to collide. Angel, it's her choice, her chance, and her life. It's her choice, her chance, her life. Oh, fuck, we really need to discuss Angel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we watched Angel... Oh, um, when I was in New York at your house, we yeah. watched it at your house. I'll tell everybody the plot of Angel. First off, Tom is the proud owner of Angel One, Angel Two, and Angel Three. They all came together on one DVD set, yeah. and it was like four bucks, mm-hmm. best four bucks I ever spent. Yeah, yeah. So Angel is about Molly, and she's a 15 year old girl, not played by a 15 year old actress, but she looks she looks young, and she, she looks young. good. Yes. she looked good. And she who's uh, the actress? So the character of Angel is played by Donna Wilkes. Are you, well, you said there's three Angel movies. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's technically four, but there's three in the DVD I got. She only played the first Angel. Uh-huh. And from what I can tell, the best Angel. Oh, she was great. I yeah, thought she, she was, was lovely. Yeah. yeah. Very similar to Malibu High, which is why I brought up Malibu High, is that she's a high school student by day. She really wants to get good grades, but... She top, does. She is getting good grades, and she's too. Getting, she's, she's top, top of, of her class. class yeah. Yes. And she's... Yeah, high school student by day, Hollywood hooker by night. Yeah. She goes out on the streets on Sunset Boulevard and, and turns tricks. You find out why, spoiler, you think her mother's bedridden in, in the apartment that she lives in, but it turns out that her mom just ran away and left her there. So, of course, she has to turn I'm tricks. for laughing. That's not funny. <laughs> it's her not mother funny. abandoned her. Her mother abandoned her, so, she's, so she started turning tricks to make money so she can stay in this apartment. <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> You're terrible. terrible. <laughs> I'm laughing because... I'm not editing any of this out, by the way. When you it's her mother abandoned her. <laughs> it was it's terrible. It's, it's awful. I'm laughing because the scene of where the detective comes to her house to okay. like find to like talk to her mother, and he goes into the room. Her mother's room is completely empty. There's nothing in it. Oh, there's yeah, no there's sheets nothing on in the there. bed. There's nothing. nothing. The room is completely empty. It's bare. And he walks over to the dresser and opens a drawer and looks in it, and then closes the drawer and then looks in another cabinet. And it's like she's not in the she's, fucking there's dresser. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in the room. She's, she's not gone. gonna. Be, she's not in the fucking dresser. <laughs> 
her mother is not she's curled gone. up in a tiny drawer no. in the dresser. That's yeah, why I was laughing. Laughable. Not because of the abandonment. That's not funny. Other things to note. Okay, thematically, this movie's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We've hit this one a good bit. She, her mom's gone. Her mother left her. And she can kind of take care of herself, but she doesn't have any way of making any money. So if she didn't find some way to make money, then she was going to be put in an orphanage. Right. So, she, so the reason why she's hooking is because that's the way that she's paying to, to stay independent. And, and to stay in this apartment. Right. So it's kind of like, all right, that's not that bad. Uh, I mean, you gotta make money. <laughs> gotta make money. Well, you gotta get on board with this movie at the beginning because right. this is an underage hooker. So it's right. like you've gotta you've just gotta let whatever you right. underage think hooker. about that out the door. Right. And she still wants to do good in school. And she's lovely. I mean <laughs> I thought she was a good actress. She was a great I think she, she was did fine. a really Angel nice did job. a fine job. Yeah. But thematically this movie was all over the place because besides the harsh reality that she's a hooker at night to pay for an apartment so she didn't go to an orphanage. Number one, her landlord is like one of John Waters' yes, actresses. Susan Tyrell. And she's like a madcap lesbian character. And then you've got, you got to talk about the tranny old guy. And then there's this, oh dear. It's, actually, it, I it's like a, him. It was a decent character. Yeah, he was. He, he was, went for it. He did. And also he wasn't. Describe um, him, talk about him. He was about eight foot tall. He was an eight <laughs> foot tall, older gentleman. He was probably in his early, early 50s, late 40s. I would say he's, I think he's in his 50s or 60s. Okay. So he's an older, very tall, not very convincing trans. I don't know if it was vestite or gender. I'm not I, sure. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what he's doing. But if that had been played a different way, then it would have been like a sassy, like, damn, no, bitch, you didn't do that to me or whatever. And he didn't play it that way. He actually, I thought he had some uh, classic Hollywood training okay. for that film. He yeah. was uh, he, uh, he was a good he, character. He went for it. Yeah. And she had all these other friends on Sunset Boulevard. So she had the the magician guy, the goofy magician dude. Oh, yeah. She had the old man, the six-shooter guy, uh-huh, the right. cowboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, the cowboy. And she had another hooker friend. And they would all meet up on Sunset Boulevard. All right, well, the other twist of this plot is there's a serial killer going around Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset Boulevard, whatever the fuck. And he's murdering hookers. Right. And he's a necrophiliac, so he kills them and then fucks them. And you know we talk about we talk about not we, laughing at that. I'm not laughing at that. You just can't not laugh at that. You're such a terrible person. It's not that. that Everyone I'm at your at. job when they hear this is oh going to say God. you're awful. I already made a necrophilia joke in one of the last episodes, and I got so much shit for it. Okay. I know. So well, okay. Well, let me continue. So the serial killer. Sometimes there's just characters that they just come from another movie. This mm-hmm. guy walked out of like a Michael Mann, oh, yeah. Manhunter serial killer that movie. So. Weird. A totally different movie because he's like a very effective, this creepy is five movie smashed into one. Yeah. yeah, there's a scene where he's scrubbing himself. He's this remember? Yeah, the, and they just kept that. It's on one long he's take, like, and after it was he just killed disturbing. He's like scrubbing himself, it and like, it was Ooh. genuinely disturbing. Like yeah, that. you know, and then it would show Sunset Boulevard with goof, goofy annex with hookers. Right. And yeah, then, that's the weird part was that it was a really kind of like happy-go-lucky hooker movie, and then you had him, and it was like, Ooh. yeah, very creepy guy. So he was killing these hookers on. Her friend ends up getting killed, and she sees him. He comes after her. But here's something that was interesting in this movie is that they never show her fucking anybody. No. They never show her naked. naked, They never show her in any real sexual situation. It's always suggested that she must be hooking. But for some reason, the movie never dared to show Angel in any type of compromising situation where she was nude or anything like that. Unlike... They call her one eye slash thriller where she's naked in this whole thing and yeah. suggesting she's getting fucked in the ass. In her butt, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it feels like this movie could be a PG-rated movie. Almost. Yeah. 
Uh, if you took out the serial killer stuff and any other nudity, yeah, it, it could be the happy hooker on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. So why do I even bring up this fucking movie? What's the point of this Hooker Vengeance movie? Well, several things. Looking at this movie a little deeper, because remember I talked about the, the Ray Kimonas, written and directed by a woman. These other Hooker movies are clearly done by men. And not to get in a feminist argument, but when you have a movie where, you know, the fact that she has to prostitute herself at 15 and fuck middle-aged old men is the least of her problems. Right, right, right. You know, because she cares yeah. more about doing well in school. She cares more about getting rent so mm-hmm. that she's not in an orphanage where right. adults can take care of her. So she's like, oh, I got to do what I got to do. Everything else bothers her more than fucking middle-aged men <laughs> for money. I never thought about that, yeah. Only a man would think that that was the least of her problems. <laughs> sure, sure, of course. And so you see that theme. I never thought about that, yeah. <laughs> so you see this theme in these movies where the prostitution part doesn't seem to be the biggest problem. And actually, you see that come full circle when we get further down the road. Angel would spawn more sequels. Angel 2, Angel 3... We started watching Angel 2, but it was so fucking goofy, and it was a different actress that was terrible. We didn't finish watching it. I don't think it's worth your time. So it doesn't seem to be any more major Hooker movies from the 80s, especially Hooker Vengeance movies that are worth Mm -hmm. noting. Go into the 90s, and of course, what do you have as the prominent Hooker movie? Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Mm -hmm. Little did you know, originally, Pretty Woman was going to be a much darker movie. I did know that, actually. It was was actually going to be a Hooker Vengeance movie. Yeah. No, actually, it wasn't. But no, wouldn't that, wouldn't like, that be? No, that's not. I know. Correct. I lied. I made that up. <laughs> I was like, yes. Wait, no, no that's not. But right. wouldn't that be awesome? Can you imagine that? I'm calling it a gritty reboot for Pretty Woman, and I'm there. Okay. Hooker Vengeance. Again, that was a fairy tale hooker story. Mm-hmm. Again, here's a hooker who has no problem hooking. She's she's fine. She's well adjusted. Yeah. She wasn't even doing cocaine. She was like flossing her she teeth. She was flossing her teeth so, because uh, the strawberry seeds got in her teeth. Another movie, in a stream of movies where fucking men for money. Right. Is the least of your problems. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, her real problem is she hadn't found a man to take care of her. Right. That's, that's, that's what every that hooker really yeah. needs. Right. You know, and I think, you know. She found him and then everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. So uh, I, it's only notable because it was such a, like a happy story with hookers. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a hooker vengeance movie. But the 90s had a couple of hooker vengeance-esque stories. Okay. The first one, actually, there's a hooker vengeance part in Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's Western from 92. Oh, that's right. The whole plot of it is he's coming back to avenge the murder of a hooker. Or well, a no, few this, hookers. I don't remember. But no, one hooker got cut up. Yeah, yeah. And so they put a bounty Someone on the guy. Someone cut a that, bitch, yeah. Yeah, somebody cut a bitch. Bitch was like, fuck that. She put a bounty on him, hired, I think, hitman to go after the people that right, abused her. Right, yeah. That's a good one. That is a good movie. is a good movie. It is a good yeah. movie. And so that's a, a Hooker Vengeance movie. And Unforgiven's got a lot going on. I have to watch that again. It's been, I mean, it's been years since I've seen it. Yeah. Bigger themes about mortality and all taking people's lives. So it's not just Hooker Vengeance, but it is a nice little theme around that. And it's more of just vengeance in general yeah. and what it means she to kill people. Vengeance. She did. It was a bloodbath at the end of that movie. Yeah, great movie, though. I really enjoyed that movie. Another one, a little less heady, a little less deep, is uh, 1994's Bad Girls. Do you remember this movie? Yeah. Was this, was it a Western, too? It was also a Western. It was Mary Stewart Masterson. Yep. Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. Drew Barrymore. Right. Oh, God. And Andy McDowell. I feel like they missed an opportunity for a black one, but fine. Oh, okay, granted. That's a little that's a little bit of a white cast for my taste. I know. I didn't see that one, even though I was a big fan of Mary Stuart Masterson back in the day. I remember, I think I watched it, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, whatever. It's a little I remember that it movie, wasn't Western as good as, as it could have been. Because you were like, oh, four female cowboys. That sounds good. And so the story is there's these four prostitutes, and they decide to leave that and become outlaws. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, they shoot a bunch of people. You know, they become outlaws. So yep. not necessarily hooker vengeance in the general sense, but be, they become you know. Well, shoot I think a lot up. of it is like what they've seen as hookers causes them to react in a certain way, and that's to kill men. Well, that's an interesting point. You bring that up, actually. Wow, that's a well done transition. Let me say, those are the only notable hooker vengeance type stories I've seen in the '90s. Nothing else really comes close to that until. 2003 with Charlize Theron in the movie Monster. Monster. When I was little, I had a lot of dreams. And I was always secretly looking for who was going to discover me. Was it this guy or maybe this one? You never knew. I lived that way for a long, long time, dreaming like that. But one day it just stopped. By the time I met Selby Wall, all I wanted was a beer. Can I buy you that drink? I got my own money. I'm just trying to talk to someone. Do you want to stay with me? Who was that person? She's just a friend I made. I think she was a street person. Hey, lady love, you need a ride? Can I ask you a question? Are you a prostitute? Hey, man, don't go too far. I just want a little privacy. 30 straight up. You girls, you know, I love them and I hate them. The thing no one ever realized about me was that I could train myself into anything. Monster is a 2003 crime drama. It's a film about a serial killer, female serial killer, Eileen Wuornos, a former prostitute who was executed in Florida in 2002 for killing seven men. Uh, well, she's only convicted for killing six, but she killed seven. Mm-hmm. And that was in the late 80s, early 90s. And, of course, she was played by Charlize Theron, who gained weight and uglied herself up to be this mm-hmm. this woman. Mm-hmm. And then her girlfriend, she had a, a lesbian lover, and who was played by Christina, Christina Ricci. Ricci. What set things in motion? Well, I'll talk about the story. So, I guess... What set things in motion in real life and in this, the movie is that she had a shitty childhood. I think she was molested when she was young. Yeah. I mean, she, really bad upbringing. This is kind of like what a real prostitute well, is. Well, that's why I talk about this. It all comes yeah, full it's circle. it's not Julia Roberts. No, 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 no. This isn't Pretty Woman at all. You know, she was molested. She becomes a prostitute. Well, supposedly she gets raped and brutalized by a client. She ends up killing him in self-defense, uh, and she decides to quit prostitution. She ends up confessing this to, like, her girlfriend, I think, and she tries to get a real job, but... You know, she doesn't work. She ends up going back into prostitution. She ends up killing her Johns and robbing them. Taking their money. And but she's claiming self-defense the whole time. Well, you know, while she's doing it. And then eventually, I think her girlfriend turns her in, and she gets, of course, caught and eventually executed. So Theron received overwhelming critical acclaim for this role in this movie. Mm -hmm. She won Best Actress Golden Globe, and she also won the Best Actress Oscar of that year. So it clearly she did a great job and it was a good performance playing such a damaged character. And so I bring this full circle with, um, it's an interesting capper to me because similar to, to red kimono, it's based on an actual case mm-hmm. and this really happened, but instead of being acquitted as the hooker Avenger, like red kimono, she was sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. And so I find it interesting why this human struck me like this is because you don't walk away. Right. Being a hooker fucked people up. It, it fucked her up. It fucked up all these women in real life that were actually in the white slave trader who are prostitutes now. And, you know, you don't you don't get a chance to start over, really. Right. And she didn't. You know, it was a tragedy all around. She never had a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it dishonest for these prostitute movies to show that, you know, prostitution itself isn't bad and people have other problems? Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 
definitely exploitive. Maybe that's why you don't see that many anymore that mm-hmm. don't portray it as you know something that's really bad. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's an interesting point that these movies, the act of prostitution, didn't really bother them that much. And I just right. find that except for Thriller, uh-huh. or they call her one well, eye. Slavery. She that was, was fucked up. That was also slavery. That and was... she, all these other things fucked her up too. Her parents yeah. killed themselves, and she her right. eye got cut out. I mean, yeah. which is gross. You know, it's such an interesting subgenre to me in that you know you've got these women who are in this kind of fucked up lifestyle. And yet they become, in a weird way, heroic, but they're still damaged, they're still fucked up. Sometimes they get to walk away. Yeah. But sometimes, like Monster, they don't. Yeah. I don't know what it says about feminism, but I think it's something to look into or just something to look at as an interesting portrayal. Is it empowering? I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Oof, I don't know if I want to touch this one. Um, <laughs> I, let me just change the subject a little bit and just say prostitution is a very different thing now in the internet age than it was back in the days when you used to have to stand out on Hollywood Boulevard and like pull in tricks. Or I think one of the reasons why we don't see as many prostitution movies now is because it's not as much of a thing as it used to be. You, you can go in one way, which is kind of like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, which obviously we know that all these guys on Wall Street are fucking prostitutes, but it's a very high-end affair. It's not just like, pull it right. up at, in times there is no Times square for hookers anymore you right know? sure um or you can just get them on craigslist now yeah too. there is also the removal of the pimp in this system to the that's violent too. pimp character and that's a trope you know because now you can use the internet and it's all but legal <laughs> in the first place okay, so as long as you're not like running any drug trade on the side or human trafficking right. it's kind of like fine sell your body it's okay yeah you don't need to hang out with your elderly tranny friends anymore right, on Sunset Boulevard yeah, that's, or, not a, that's not a thing right, anymore or carry so. shotguns and shoot people up anymore thanks internet <laughs> thanks internet you've made our lives better and, and less dangerous so that's it for Hooker Vengeance and just to wrap up the whole micro genre thing it's interesting how far down the rabbit hole you can go and see all these movies with similar themes that just sort of come out of nowhere. I don't think people consciously go, you know, this, these hooker revenge stories, the kids like these, but they, but somehow these stories get retold. Right, right. When you gather them up together, they, they kind of have an interesting arc to them. Mm-hmm. They end up being like realistic, like monster, where everything's tragedy. Right. But along the way, you've got psychopath, Kim, uh, you know, from from Malibu High. They should have named that movie Monster instead. (laughs) Okay, granted. She's the real monster, Kim. Nice. That's a good way to close this theme. (laughs) So on that note, did I uh, miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. I did just look up while you were talking about Charlize Theron, just a few other Oscar winners for hookers. There were a lot, apparently. I'll just read the last three, though. Kim Bassinger in L.A. Confidential. Okay. Mira Sorvino and Mighty Aphrodite. Nice. And Jane Fonda in Clute. Oh, I forgot about Clute. Yeah. All yeah. right. There you have it. So, and there is a lot there. I think that they're saying 11. So that's a lot of hookers. A lot there of hookers. Are, there is a lot of, I, I feel like there is a lot of hooker in Hollywood. I still don't think the hooker revenge is a genre or is even a micro genre because right. I feel like your films are all way too different. Especially when you look at something like like Angel and then you look at something like Bad Girls. Okay. Bad Girls. I feel like those are complete like they both have elements of hooker vengeance in them, but I wouldn't call Bad Girls a hooker vengeance movie. I can see. I agree. Yeah. It's not a standard hooker I think vengeance it's a, movie. I think it's a theme and I think it's a great theme. I've loved the episode. I'm not quite convinced that a hooker vengeance is enough of a thing to call it a micro genre. Fair enough. Well, we'd like to hear what you think, listeners. So if your thoughts on hookers or hooker revenge movies, we'd like to hear from to you. To vote so. for Tom, press one. To vote for Slate, press, press two. two. Yeah, any feedback on hookers or hooker vengeance, we'd love to hear from you. Other than that, I think we pretty much 
have wrapped this up. Yeah, we've tapped this bitch to death. We tapped this bitch to death. I'm leaving my money on the nightstand, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Anything else? I'm good. All right. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com, where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, as well as Bad Movie Monday, our recommendation for the worst of the worst films every Monday night. Please, please, please fact check us. And if we left something out or got something wrong, let us know in the comment section of each week's topic. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. A note, something to note. So the actress what, that you're Kim, a piece of shit. <laughs> you're still a piece she's of still shit. A, she, she's still a piece of shit. Still a piece of shit. Well, thanks for adding that in for the fourth time. <laughs> we Thank didn't you. realize that you thought she was a piece of shit the first three times you right. said it.